We're just okay, and we play some movies. We're just okay, movie watchers. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just Okay Movies. I'm your host, Biggie Size, and I guess I have to start this episode off by apologizing for not having an episode last week. I feel terrible about that, honestly. I felt terrible about the whole week. Uh, Afraid just life got in the way, and I just could not get an episode going. But I'm back. Back from Just Okay Con 2018. Uh, It was an absolute blast. I'm sure the majority of people listening were there. But anyone who wasn't, uh, it was just a, a fun time. I highly recommend listening to the latest Just Okay Gamers episode where we where it was recorded live from Con to hear about all the shenanigans that happened. It was wonderful to see everyone again and see new faces and see faces from last year. It was just a wonderful time to get the get together and and just uh, play board games, play video games, and realize how awful I am. At Super Smash Bros, but uh, but that's okay. That's okay. It's all in good fun. Well, I hope you all have had a wonderful week. Uh, as for things that I've watched, I was kind of thinking about it. If there's one thing you probably already realize about me, it's I I haven't watched a lot of movies. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've seen a fine amount, but I definitely don't watch nearly as many as like what Guido does. I mean. It blows my mind how many movies he's he goes through and how he can recall them just off the spot. And that's kind of the reason why I uh, wanted to start this podcast was to try to jump in and watch more movies and have a reason to and really start, you know, not only um, you know, get to talk about it with the people who listen and talk to it with the co-host, but uh, just get a, an idea on how my views on films rack up with other people's and have a you know a fun discussion about it. And I think we we've really been achieving that here. And um, something I do quite a bit is I watch a lot of YouTube. I absolutely love YouTube and uh, watch a whole lot of uh, series on there. So if I haven't watched a film, I've watched tons of YouTube. And you know what? Why not? I'm just going to mention a couple that I highly recommend uh, since I haven't really watched a film uh, this week in particular. Uh, there's if you are looking for a really fun let's player that I personally love, uh, his name is Picaspri, and he's fairly hell. I hate to call someone who has over a hundred thousand subscribers small, but I guess in the the scheme of things, he's a fairly smaller YouTuber compared to to some, but definitely much larger than most. But he has a really good Let's Play channel. His main one's good, too. He has uh, Picasso Yellow and Picasso Blue. Uh, Yellow is his uh, channel where he creates the majority of his content. Where it'd be uh, talking about certain ways to do runs on Pokemon or talking about fan games that people have made about Mario and Sonic and kind of breaking them down. The more structured, tailored videos where he has another channel called Picasso Blue. Uh, that is let's plays all all let's plays about all kinds of mostly uh, games made in like rpg maker and things like that he's got some bigger games that he does as well but most of them are smaller indie titles and there's one in particular i just want to talk about this is definitely not the whole episode but i just kind of wanted to mention uh, because it's a it's a series that i really love and it's called the strange man series and uh, he goes through all, I think there are one, two, there's four of them. And uh, they're made by uh, this uh, small developer using, uh, they call the Wolf Engine, which is like the RPG Maker engine. 
So you have all these uh, pre-made assets that you design. You also kind of put in your own assets that fit the aesthetic and all that stuff. It's an engine to work on that has assets built into it. You know, it's meant for smaller stuff. And uh, But, I mean, there's some people who just really put a lot of creativity into these awesome-looking games. And this one in particular, and the reason why I bring it up, this isn't a, a gaming uh, uh podcast is a movie podcast but the story in this particular series is so good that i have to recommend it uh if you are a fan of just a really good story a really well made one too as far as i know it some of the stories kind of pull from maybe some literature and things like that but i feel like they're predominantly original stories made by this creator and i I wish i could remember uh i believe it's a she but i could even be wrong about that but uh, in either case, it's fun and that's uh, with doing a let's play. I don't know if I would recommend as much doing just a a live playthrough without any voice commentary. Uh, I would definitely recommend doing it with someone like Picasper. You're going through it, kind of talking about it. He does the voices of all the characters. And it's just such an engaging story and such a wonderful experience that through all four games, all four of them are good. Maybe the last one's the, kind of the weaker of the one, but just to kind of give you a bit of a taste, you have these four characters, which are called the Strange Men, and all the stories are interconnected, some stronger than others, but they are kind of connected inside the same universe. So you have the first one who's called the Strange Man, and that's the name of the first game, the Strange Man. Uh, oh, goodness, I really... I really hope I, I named that. No, no, I'm so sorry. The first one's called The Crooked Man. My apologies. And then the second one's called uh, The um, Sandman. Third one's called The Boogeyman. And the fourth game is called The Hangman. And they all kind of have their different themes. I think The Crooked Man's probably the strongest of all four. It's just a awesome story that just keeps you on the edge of your seat through the entire time. And it's... it's not a lot of like shock, you know, in your face kind of creepiness. It's the setting. It's just super creepy and well built up and ends on such a great high note. And you just, it leaves you wanting more. And the rest of them kind of take on their own tone. And I just cannot, I wanted to go into so much spoilers. I'm holding so much back and I want to keep talking about more and more, but really it's a series I would highly recommend anyone watching, uh, you know, and Casper does just a very good job on bringing that story to life, and feel like you're kind of going through it with a with a friend. And he, he, you know, it's funny when things are going really well, and he gets kind of scared, and you're just as frustrated with him when it's a puzzle you can't solve, and you you just really have to think your way through it. And he cheats sometimes, looks up some guides, but honestly, some of those uh, some of those puzzles are really freaky and and kind of tough. So I don't blame him there. But that's definitely a series I would uh, highly recommend. If you're just looking for something on YouTube to kind of lay down for the night and relax and watch, but you want something with a lot of story, I highly recommend uh, Casper's uh, Strange Man series, uh, Let's Plays. Absolutely fun. But without further ado, I want to discuss a, a movie in particular that's actually been recommended by a dear friend of the show bubby who is also at just okay con i got to meet him for the first time great guy absolutely love him he is a just an absolute sweetheart and uh hey bubby i i uh, i hope you enjoy this episode because this was his recommendation it's a movie called the boondock saints you've probably heard of it and i have such a hard time 
trying to decide if I really like this film or if I'm just kind of middle of the road, maybe even lean that I don't completely like it. Not, not, hey, not, not falling so far into hating it, but uh, just like, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's not that great. I have a hard time and hopefully I'm able to explain myself and, and as, as we go along and I'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts if you wish to uh, share, but uh, just to kind of cover what Boondock Saints is, it came out in, I believe, 1999, 98, 99, somewhere around there. Uh, director's name is Troy Duffy, which Bubby actually told me some very interesting facts about him and kind of what he had to go through to get this movie made. Apparently he was not a, a, a very kind director. It was a little mean on set to his people and maybe it was just under a lot of stress. I'll have to look further into that. But uh, the film revolves around two uh, Irish brothers who are uh, Catholic, a lot of Catholicism uh, in this film. And uh, they are, well, what they're at least believed, they believe that they're ordained by God to go through their community and kill all the bad guys. They'll be gangsters, rapists, uh, you know, thieves, who name it. They're ordained to basically be vigilantes for God and take them out. And that, that's that's the whole of the film. And then you're following them, and you're also following William Defoe's character, who he's this uh, 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 gay FBI direct, uh, uh, detective. And uh, it's a fascinating story in how it's broken up. The reason why it's fascinating, and let's let's imagine a Tarantino-esque Pulp Fiction film where time is a little distorted based on what's going on. So, you know, what Pulp Fiction's known for came out in 93, 94, if I'm not mistaken, and made a close, it just opened the floodgates of tons of people wanting to make these kind of crazy um time manipulative-esque stories where things don't take place in a linear fashion. It's there kind of broken up and Pulp Fiction does it flawlessly. I'm not the biggest fan of Tarantino as a person. I think he's maybe a little too into himself. That's a personal thing. So that's very, so take that with a grain of salt. It's my own personal opinion. I'm definitely not saying that is fact. Uh, but as a director, I do respect him because he has made some very interesting films that I would I would say go very much against the uh, the current grain of the film industry. I mean, hell, making a film like The uh, Hateful Eight um, in a time where Western films are uh, non-existent, completely non-existent, except for just a few that don't really take themselves that seriously. He made this really good I, I mean i guess you would call it a western film and pretty much just all takes place in this little cottage or uh, house thing in the middle of winter and it's well done it's very well done and same thing you would say with pulp fiction that definitely kind of goes against the grain of what was popular at the time and it's very well done so as a film director i have a lot of respect for it so let's talk about it uh, Boondock Saints is definitely a Tarantino-esque, Pulp Fiction-esque film. But that's not to say it's kind of original in its own way. 
and that it's just oh it's a pulp fiction as movie you should just throw it away it's not definitely not what i'm saying at all at all it's a film worth watching i i totally believe that so what happens is we see the brothers go into a situation let's say for instance this one situation where they're going to take out this russian mobster in this hotel and we see something happen like they're like wrestling each other inside the air vents because they're trying to uh crawl into the room and take them all by surprise and one of them does something to piss the other one off and they fall down and get caught up in this rope they're going to use so they're hanging upside down they just pull out their guns and take out like eight different people we don't see that part though at first what we see is them wrestling and then something breaks and they fall and then it cuts straight to the investigation the aftermath we see all these people dead in the room uh william defoe's walking in trying to piece together what what happened and then once he kind of pieces everything together it then cuts back to what actually happened so you see us that weird time like we're we're going in current time then jumping to the future when the investigators were there and didn't jump in right back to where we left off to see what actually happened. And it's kind of fun to see that, you know what, especially early on when he's trying to piece it together, he's kind of getting a couple little things wrong and, and it's done kind of cute. Like when we see the, uh, the guys uh, actually doing it themselves, it's different than what the investigator says. So it, it kind of sets the interesting tone that, you know, he, he's slowly piecing everything together and that's how, Pretty much the whole film goes up to the very end when it becomes a little more linear. It's kind of the climax of the film. And I have to say, for from what I can guess, I believe this is this director's first film. And the only other film I know that he's done is the sequel, which I don't recommend. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I was very excited because I thought, okay, this is like, eight to 10 years after the first film, maybe he's going to learn from those mistakes. And we'll talk about the mistakes here shortly and make a really good sequel. And it's from what I remember, it's just God awful, but I'll need to revisit that at some point and see if that's still, uh, if my feelings on it still hold up, because this was also a reason why I wanted to revisit this film. I wanted to see if I felt the same way as when I saw it, way 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 back probably in 2007 or so when it was mentioned to me by a by a friend I went to college with and at the time I enjoyed it I didn't think it was incredible or or um, it was kind of amazing some of the shots were real nice but I really enjoyed it and revisiting it I feel mostly the same way I thought I might not like it as much because if you go online it has like a 20% rotten tomato score all credit scores are super, super low. And I will say I don't totally disagree with them. And you know what? Let's just get into that now. Let's talk about the good stuff. I really want to talk about the good stuff first because there is some good stuff here. First of all, the camera work on some of the scenes is very well done. Uh, the ending scene, especially in the courtroom uh, where the... Um, I don't want to give spoilers, but I'll just kind of explain how the scene looks. I don't want to say exactly what was happening, but uh, how you imagine a courtroom. We have uh, one of the guys uh, who we find out later who he is, not one of the brothers, in the middle, like uh, with his back against uh, where the judge sits. And the other two brothers are standing up on the tables where the 
uh, lawyers would sit and the defendant and the plaintiff and they have like have their guns in like a triangle just kind of pointing at the audience so that way they stay uh, still and are kind of saying their creed or what they're trying to do and the camera work there is really really neat and even the speech isn't too bad too maybe a little corny but that's okay for the tone of the film i can accept it but really nice camera work there uh some of the fight scenes also like in the hotel room i mentioned and uh when they're shooting people and they're hanging upside down really well done the camera kind of uh looks in the uh the brother's perspective and is going around the room showing them how they took these people off guard and are shooting them. And there's another scene in a, uh, not a strip club. It's kind of one of those like old school places where I you know before kind of the, the internet, uh, and I'm sure they still exist now where you would kind of go in and pay your money and the window open up and you have a dancer kind of stripping and stuff and you're paying her money. One of those kinds of things. I'm not sure what you would call them. Uh, but, uh, there's a shooting scene that happens there and it's really well done. And then even the scenes with William Defoe uh, going in and trying to piece together what happened are very well shot and really makes you feel engaged. Like you're on the scene as well. And, uh, you know, very traditionally shot in those scenes, but that's all you need. You don't need anything fancy. As long as the dialogue's interesting. We talk about that all the time here and that's what I'm talking about. And that's what this film did so well. William Dafoe is a solid actor and he steals the show anytime he's on screen and he just does a great job in this film. And I guess we'll tr- uh, transition into the acting, uh, the brothers, the other guy, I always want to call him Sean William Scott, but his, I can't remember, Sean Murray something. I, I'm afraid I don't know anything about him. The other one's Norman Reedus, which I hope I pronounced that correctly. I, I guess arguably best known for his role in The Walking Dead. I don't know if he's still in it or not, if he's alive or dead. I could never really get in The Walking Dead. I, I don't know how many times I've seen the first episode, and I just try to jump into the second one. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't like it, but I need to try to get back into it. But anyways, he does a fine job. Both of them just do a fine job. Um, and everyone else is in it too. They have kind of this bumbling guy who uh, is part of the Italian mafia that they hang out with. He does a good job for his character. He's how you would imagine kind of being the lowly errand boy of the mafia. And, uh, but no doubt William Defoe is like the, uh, cornerstone of it all. Like he is the solid actor. And as I mentioned earlier, he plays this, uh, uh, gay detective and he's very, uh, flamboyant i guess you you would say uh in his sexuality which makes that character even more interesting because everyone else around him is kind of these you know tough uh you know manly men and he's kind of coming in just owning them and saying what's happening and owning them in the investigation but what's neat about his character is he really cares about what he does and it's fascinating to hear him talk about it and how he carries himself i mean he and that's mostly due to him just being a great actor but just doing a good job with a what could be a boring character and making him very interesting like uh one on the on every uh, time he goes into one of the big murder scenes he puts in his headphones and listens to some opera and kind of wistfully moves around and collects evidence and pieces stuff together and it's it's interesting and, and just fun to watch what could just be a dry, um, you know, set camera perspective of, oh, look, here's a bullet. Oh, he hit his head here. It's fun. It's interesting. He just owns that character. 
one of the best scenes of the whole film and probably feels like the most Tarantino-esque movie moment is when the brothers go in to take out this, uh, uh, he's kind of a hitman, but he's a hitman who will just, he's just a cold motherfucker and that he'll just wipe out everyone, but he's really good at his job and they just go and take him out. He's part of the Russian mafia or the Italian mafia. He's, he's part of one of them. I can't quite remember. And um, that's the most elaborate scene where almost it feels like the timeline from the um, past and the present kind of thing where the, the brothers start the scene and then he comes in and does the scene. It, it grows in more complexity because we see the brothers actually doing the stuff like they burst into the room and they're shooting people. And we see William Defoe kind of talking about it. He's next to him, like mimicking their same motions showing exactly what they were doing. And that's kind of the point where he's almost got zeroed in on how these guys operate. So that like little getting stuff wrong is ending and he knows exactly what they're doing. So it's almost overlapping at that point. And it's so well done because it's so grandiose. Like he's just screaming and getting into it. And it's a wonderful scene that is so much fun to watch. And it's my favorite part of the film outside of the um, maybe the hotel scenes, probably my next favorite. So he just owns that character and it's so much fun to watch. And probably the next thing I would say or that is really good about the film is the timing, like the, the length of the film. I would say it's a perfect length. It tells a story. It doesn't fuck around too much. It tells the story it needs to tell and and it ends. And that might sound like a weak ass thing to say, but guys, the length of a film can hurt a movie. I mean, just look at, I mean, in my opinion, look at Transformers 2, even look at Last Jedi. I mean, big films like this with a lot of money behind them. And you could definitely say, okay, this film went on way too long and it, killed the excitement killed the thrill of the movie it maybe even hurt the message because the longer you go especially after you tell a you know a big important part of your film and you keep going that message unless done right can slowly start to degrade and then by the end you're wondering why did i watch this i mean you see the scene where ray and um uh emo guy are like talking and that's a powerful scene because she's given a choice and it's a pretty good choice you know normally we would say no i'll never turn and help you but in this case maybe it's not a bad idea and that scene has a lot excuse me a lot of tension behind it because it's so powerful but the film goes for what feels like another hour it's not really that long probably about another 40 minutes close enough i guess that the feeling you give that scene dies and it just makes the rest feel like going through the motions. So I feel like just as much as cinematography as writing as choreography, all that stuff is important. The length of your film is just as important in my opinion. Uh, but, but so this film does a really good job on ending on the right time. Now let's talk about some of the poor aspects of this film. 
And there are more in here than I, that, that, it hurts me a little bit on how many there are. One in particular, well, there's really two, but I think the one hurts the most. And that is screen transitions, the transition of scenes. Do you know when you're watching a movie, a movie made for TV, you know, they, they cut in those, you have your commercial breaks, you know, at, at certain intervals, however long it may be. But then you watch that same movie, say it came out on Netflix or whatever, and they have those breaks where it's just a, a fade to black and then it fades back into the next scene. You know that was where a commercial would have gone. Makes sense. They just didn't stitch it together. That's kind of lazy, I guess, but whatever. You know, it happens. It's in this film. That kind of transitions are in this film. And it's jarring, to say the least. You know, anytime you see some sort of... You're watching a motion picture, okay? In the theater. Nope, there's no commercials during the film. No intermission. You know, there can be, but there's not in this case. So why are you having such a jarring transition where you're seeing a fade into black for maybe, I don't know, point two fifths of a second, enough that you see a black screen and you recognize it in your brain and it fades into another scene. It takes you out of the film. It takes you out of the immersion. And why they chose to do that, I'm not totally sure. I'm sure it can be done right. But this was not the case. It feels, it feels kind of like the, the only way I could justify it is it felt like they're wanting to do almost like a stage show or stage show. Is that even the right thing to say? You know, a, a scene where you, you would have it play out in a play and then they would close the curtain to do a transition, you know, the change the set out. Maybe that's something that they might've been going for, but in this particular film, it's jarring. And I would say in like, 99% of motion pictures in theaters, you should not use this transition unless you're maybe a Scorsese or a Tarantino, you know, anyone like that, Stanley Kubrick, who have the ability to use those kinds of tools effectively. Troy Duffy does not. And it hurts some of these scenes. It hurts the pacing because you're just looking at such a dead stop and you're not getting anything out of it because what's happened, it could just be something as simple as they're talking about something random and the scene cuts and then they're walking down the street. It's, it's gross. It's, it's not appealing. It hurts. Um, so I'm not sure why they did that. It, <laughs> I would almost call the transitions in, <laughs> I know you guys get so tired of me talking about battlefield earth, but I feel like the battlefield earth transitions were much better and that's not that's not a good thing to say that's not a good thing to say about your film when battlefield earth may have done it a little bit better and those were god awful the next thing that was a big problem about the film oh my lord the music <laughs> it is the most generic music i have ever heard in a film i'm sure there's worse but for all films that I have seen to this point, it's awful. Like you would imagine in, in any big film and 
I don't totally know how big of a budget was behind this film. I'm positive that it went into theaters, but I'm not 100% on that either. But you would imagine in a, in a motion picture in theaters, you would have an orchestral score. I'm positive I did not hear any orchestral scores, not for like a theme or anything. What you get is stock rock and stock house music. And a little bit of an Irish jig at the very beginning of the film, which I don't think shows up again at all. Uh, not even for the end credits. And, and that could have been original, but you know, it's the beginning of the film. Okay. It's not bad. It sounds kind of nice, but when you're getting like this stock music that sounds like you could go on to uh, uh, one of the stock websites and download it and just throw it in your big motion picture, it sounds terrible and it's jarring and it just makes those scenes sound, feel so cheap. And that's terrible. You know, sometimes we forget how effective music can be. And maybe sometimes that's good. Like you think like Infinity War. I can't necessarily pick out any of the scenes that had really good music that I liked. But I do know the music in those scenes when they were happening helped elevate the content. And we're just talking Infinity War. I mean, let's jump into, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey or some of those incredible orchestra scores just elevated the epicness of some of those scenes of just a ship uh, docking onto a space station that's going around circles or the uh, reveal of the monolith. And we don't really know what this is, but the music just makes those moments so powerful that you remember them being so epic. This movie has cheap-ass techno music going that feels like garbage. <laughs> it's just bad. It sounds like something you would do on, on a budget, and it wouldn't surprise me if this film was on a fairly tight-ish budget. Uh, but I would... I have a feeling, you know, if you can get your film into a theater, you do need to make sure you're spending some money on some decent music. It doesn't have to be anything incredible, but it shouldn't sound like something I can get off a stock website for $9 or wherever the equivalent was back then. I'm sure there's vendors in Hollywood you can buy stock music from. That's what it felt like. So, so those, that's the second thing. And really, that's... That's about it. There's some scenes in the movie that kind of feel like a major, that it kind of halts the film's progression a little too much to try to do something clever. Uh, one of the scenes in particular is where the uh, the jokester guy is going to see the the big boss uh, for the Italian mob that you know he works as a courier with, and the boss is like, "Tell me a joke," and you go through this very racist joke, and. Uh, it goes on maybe a little longer than it should. Like, it's kind of funny, but it goes on for way too long. And it kind of feels like a major, like, bump in the story's progression that probably could have been cut down quite a bit or maybe just left out entirely. It's one of those moments where you felt like he was trying to do a interesting uh, Tarantino dialogue uh, between characters. And it just... It doesn't work. I mean, you've got Ron Jeremy in the scene as one of the main mob guys and two guys I've never seen before in my life in the film. And neither of them can necessarily act very good. They're okay. Uh, but they're not interesting characters enough to, to make me want to sit and see this, 
this joke play out. And I feel like the best parts of this film were the parts where it felt like an original film. And there's big scenes like that that feel like a Tarantino-esque uh, ripoff. I, I hate to say that, but it's what it really feels like. That just shouldn't have been there. But overall, you know, kind of talking about it with you all, I, I think it's kind of helped me realize my feelings on the film. Ult- ultimately, I think it's a solid film. You know, uh, Bobby wanted to know what our thoughts were, and uh, I'm sure I'll mention it to the guys when uh, they get back on uh, the next episode and see what they think. But uh, but for me, Bubby and everyone, I, I think it's a solid film that I recommend watching. Uh, you can go and see it on Netflix for, I mean, for free, and you can probably torrent it, no problem. Hell, you could probably get watch it on YouTube for free. I can't imagine that there are... Uh, uh, really all that worried about this film <laughs> you know people watch it for free or try to get their money out of it i don't know it's a fine film don't expect too much the, i think the best time to watch it is if you've been drinking i love these kinds of films because how i felt about gi joe it's the you know the, the live action one uh is when you've been drinking for a while and you just need to lay down and just chill or maybe you've been smoking whatever you do you do you and you just want to watch a film that is just interesting enough to keep you entertained. This is a great movie for that. And I would recommend it in that capacity. And also just to watch William Defoe, uh, his character in the film. It's it's he's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it. So definitely check it out. Don't pay for it. Try try to watch it for free. You know, go on to Netflix and make a new account on Google for an email and get a seven day trial if you don't have Netflix already. And watch it and, you know, watch Stranger Things and, you know, watch, uh, oh, watch Snowpiercer if it's on there. I probably would recommend that over this. Snowpiercer is a great movie. We need to talk about that on here as well. But yeah, go check it out. Well, if you would like to uh, send me a comment and uh, let me know what you think of it or let me know what you think of my uh, feelings on the film or any other topic, Shoot us an email at justokmovies at gmail.com. You can also go to justokmovies.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and see our phone number where you can leave a voicemail. I really, really got to get that memorized. And guys, I haven't gotten any tweets. Please send me a tweet. I love reading your, your feedback. And even if it's negative, send it to me. I love to read it. I don't take anything personal. You know, I mean, I mean don't talk about my personal stuff like oh russell you're a fat bitch like well well i mean that's okay i get it but that's not too nice let's talk about film stuff (laughs) but i mean if you need to share it share it man get it off your chest but um shoot us a tweet at just okay movies and we will be back next week with a a topic or maybe a review i need to get that figured out but also let us know if there's another film you want to watch i know mountain sage has one recommended for me and i think i might be getting to that one very soon i'm very interested in it but anyways guys thank you so much for listening i love you all i appreciate you all so so much and i hope you know it all right take care see ya